we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. This is segment number two. I am Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. As always, this is a sports talk-fueled edition of the pod. It's what we've been doing for the first episode of the week throughout the offseason, or at least the downtime in between minicamp and training camp. So I hope you enjoy it. This is a recorded interview with Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints. Have a listen. Joining us from the Locked on Saints podcast, Ross Jackson. So happy for you to have some time today with us. And what's been going on, Ross? What's up, guys? How's it going, man? Glad to be here with you. Appreciate you having me on. Definitely always great to talk to you. Uh, Got a little uh, sidetracked when I started out this hour, was talking about Jamal Williams and how I was, (laughs) you know, going back into YouTube and looking at some of his uh, best quotes and best moments in in previous interviews uh, with Detroit. Just a a whole ball of fun. It seems like the running backs are the most energetic and lively and uh, I guess the best interviews. Um, Unfortunately, we are losing one too. And a Mark Ingram was now heading to to Fox Sports. Congratulations to him now getting into the Mm -hmm. broadcast booth. But uh, what's been your take overall, I guess, on the, the running back situation? Obviously, we know we're still waiting on word from Alvin Kamara's case at the end of this month, but the mm-hmm. additions of Jamal Williams, and I know we haven't seen Kendra Miller yet, but it just seems that this is a, a room that's really built to do something special this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the running back room, as well as the tight end room, are the two most improved rooms potentially going into 2023. Like you said, we still have to see these guys, of course. But just in terms of the, the, you know, the moves that they've made, I think that that running back room is one that is built to finally be able to compliment Alvin Kamara when he's on the field, which is something that the, or when he's available, which is something that the Saints have struggled with over the course of the past couple of years. We watched, you know, his routes run plummet over the course of the past two seasons, but his carry skyrocket, you know, the amount of touches that he has seen in game and things like that. And a lot of those have, you know, directed him in between the tackles, kind of having to be the bell cow back and, it was one of the things that D.A. talked about when it came to, you know, the signing of Jamal Williams, what he brings to the team, is that you get another complimentary guy to Alvin to where you can use him, you know, when he's available to the team and in a bunch of different ways getting him out in space. Stuff that they struggled to do uh, last year. And now you have a little bit more of a diverse running back room that would be able to plug in and fill some of those gaps. I'm really excited to see Kendra Miller during uh, training camp here later on this month because he's kind of the the one that we haven't seen yet. He's kind of been covering from that uh, that MCL sprain that kept him out of the uh, you know training the uh, the draft process workouts and the national championship game and OTAs and mini camp. But he's expected to be ready to go for training camp. So I think he's the big guy. But I think even outside of them, guys like Eno Benjamin. Kirk Merritt now seemingly making the transition over to the running back room. Uh, Ellis Merriweather, who they have, they've got a lot of guys in there that they'll they'll you know get good looks at uh, throughout training camp that I think have each have the ability to bring something unique back to that running back room. Yeah, and you mentioned Kirk Merritt. You know, I think it is interesting. It, it, it'll be interesting to watch whether he when the numbers are there in training camp, when mm-hmm. theoretically, you know, Benjamin and Kendry Miller are participating, whether he makes that shift back to wide receiver, if he kind of does that Ty Montgomery middle ground, you know, running back wearing receiver and other kind of deal. But, you know, I think this is one of the, this is the optimism season, right? Optimism abound everywhere. Everything's going to be great. No one's going to struggle. Every group that struggled mm-hmm. last year is getting better. This, every free agent signing <laughs> is going to be perfect. They're going to the Super Bowl. They're going to win 14 Woo! games, whatever. My point, <laughs> is I want you to do the opposite. I want you to look in your crystal ball and say, okay, what position or positions, if things go poorly this year for the Saints, these positions, which you look at right now, and maybe there are some pitfalls, are the ones that will be struggle points. 
Yeah, I think your your biggest pitfalls here on the offensive side, it, it, your biggest pitfall on the offensive side is going to be wide receiver again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what happens if Michael Thomas can't stay healthy? You know, we expect that he'll be ready to start the season. We certainly expect he'll be ready to start camp. But, you know, can he stay healthy? Is he going to be able to do it? And, and trust me, no one wants to prove that the answer to that question, yes, more than Michael Thomas himself. But, you know, if he deals with an injury or anything like that, then – Who's the next wide receiver that comes up to work with guys like Chris Olave and Rashid Shaheed? Now, thankfully, this is a better wide receiver room than what the Saints have had in years past. 2019, Michael Thomas was the only guy there. 2020, he wasn't able to be there. 2021 was kind of on and off. And so, you know, they've reinvested into that position, and that's good. But or, or flip that, sorry, 2020 he was on and off, 2021 he wasn't available. And, and so, you know, you, you kind of look at the, the reinvestment into that wide receiver room, and you can feel better about the top of it, but what happens when you get below your big three and, and who are going to be those guys? So, you know, that's going to be a big question I need to answer. I think Brian Edwards, who came over from the Raiders, or came over most immediately from the Falcons, but has, you know, some chemistry, communication, and time spent with the Raiders, with new quarterback here, Derek Carr, uh, is kind of a front runner for me at that spot, but it, it depends, right? What's the archetype that you need there? How many other wide receivers do you need back there? What's that going to look like? So I think that's one where you have the, the potential pitfall. I think defensive tackle is still one that you have to wait and see how it all pans out. I mm-hmm. mean, they lost, you know, a lot of guys on the defensive interior, David on Yamada, Shai, Tuttle, Kentavious Street, all going elsewhere. And, you know, you like the guys that they brought in and Colin Saunders, who's a multi, you know, Super Bowl winning champion player, uh, you know, but heavy rotation during that Kansas City Chiefs defense. He'll be asked to do the same here so you can see where the fit is. Um, Nathaniel Shepard, one of the top 10 guys last year at his position in uh, PFS pass rush win rate, which just measures and one on one opportunities. How often do you win? Uh, your your pass rushing reps, and then you add Brian Brzee, who was a former number one overall recruit, you know, going into Clemson, you know, who dealt with a lot of injury, family stuff during his time in Clemson. How do these guys pan out on the interior, along with the return of Malcolm Roach and some of the other players that will play, you know, in and out uh, as well, like Tono Passanio. And so I think that's another one that that you look at to see, you know, it's one thing to kind of go, okay, they, they replace the numbers, but what does it look like when they're all on the field? And the other one that I'll mention, too, is probably my biggest question mark going in. I have to go back to the offensive side, sorry, but it is the offensive line. I mean, if we accept the idea that Trevor Penning was supposed to be the starter at left tackle or was trending to be the starter at left tackle throughout the, the preseason last year, which some believe that it was, some believe that it wasn't, but if you accept that that was the that that was the the sort of notion, then the Saints never saw their starting five offensive linemen out on the field, much like they never saw their starting five secondary out on the field for a single snap last year. The Sharper Penning missed games one through twelve. Eric McCoy was out ten through fifteen, and then week sixteen, Caesar Ruiz went on injured reserve. So the one guy was unavailable, along with Andrews Pete missing five games throughout the season or a handful of games throughout the season. That's another one where you just don't know what these guys look like together because we've never seen it. And then one injury what happens? You know, do you have the numbers and depth to where you can have an injury and immediately replace that? Or do you have to move somebody from a different position and upset multiple spots on the offensive line? So I think those are the three big ones. There are a couple of others too, but those are three big ones that I'll highlight. Russ, one of the things that we've talked about too a lot is the fact is, does this team make a move on a veteran free agent market before training camp at all? Uh, and to me, you know, you, you mentioned offensive line, D-line, and even to me, uh, linebacker. I, I'm curious yep. to see, are they going to bring in that body beforehand or do you think they wait till something maybe happens uh, injury-wise or if the guys that they have in-house aren't performing up to standards in training camp, do they bring someone in then? I'm just wondering, you know, I was curious to see uh, there's a bunch of names out there right now that uh, that I'm interested in. uh, Just wondering if the team makes a move before camp kicks off or that's something they do post. 
Yeah, very, very much the same. And if there's one thing that we know about this New Orleans Saints team, at least in, in years past, is that they love veteran linebackers and veteran running backs in training camp. They right. go out there and they get their, their, you know, their Josh Kelly's, their, you know, Malcolm Brown last year, the Mike Gillisleys of the past, the, the Shane yep. Vereens of the past. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, at linebacker, they went Nigel Bradham, James Laurinaitis, all these other guys. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't, think that I would rule that out absolutely in terms of getting looks at some of these other players you'll probably see you know if there are any additions before training camp you might see that but then you'll probably see you know a weekend then maybe shuffle some folks okay we got a good look at these guys we have some notes and know what we need to know about them let's get some other bodies in and get a look at some of these other guys and so I think you'll start to see a little bit of that the interesting thing is do they make one more I'll call it for for July quote-unquote splash right not a real splash but you know a little bit of a splash and you've got guys like Yannick Ngakwe, and even, you know, if you want somebody that's very, very situational, you could maximize, you know, like what the Baltimore Ravens did, a guy like Justin Houston to come in as a situational pass rusher to play like 111 pass rushing snaps throughout a season or something like that. Like, there's a lot of these extra things that they could do to uh, continue to bolster the offense, bolster the defensive line, bolster the linebacker room. That's certainly a place where I could see that continuing to happen. So, yeah, I, I'm very much in the same boat as you guys. I'm, I'm very curious to see if they – continue to or not necessarily if because i think that they will but it's more of a, a question of when they do start to kind of cycle in some more of those fresh faces or potentially use that near 14 million dollars or some portion of near 14 million dollars salary cap to maybe bring in another veteran that you could see landing on the roster so ross we were going you know kind of back and forth on twitter about this which you know twitter is still working as as of right now as, as surprise, far as i know surprise, you, you guys weren't on threads doing this <laughs> yeah we're, we weren't threading about it i don't know is there, is there a verb is there is there an accepted verb for how you how you thread anyway and you you were tweeting the you know all-time passes defense since 1999 for the saints which is really a fascinating stat when you look at it for a few mm-hmm. reasons marshawn Lattimore's number one with 78 which obviously has been a long time since 1999 and marshawn Lattimore hasn't played for uh, a lot of that still right. number one, and then Fred Thomas second at seventy-seven, Jabari Greer third at sixty-eight, and then Cam Jordan is fourth at fifty-eight. <laughs> and you know, if for anyone wondering, passes defense when you bat the ball down at the line, that is a pass defended. Um, so mm-hmm. I imagine that's where a majority of them have come in. And uh, I've seen Cam drop into coverage, but not that much. But I just think yeah. you know when you look at this team and you look at how great quality that cornerback room is right now one through four I would say and even mm-hmm. some of the depth there you know and then you look at this list and it's like that's not a that's not how the Saints have operated throughout a majority of the franchise history it has been a lot of yeah. struggles on the on the outside Jabari Greer obviously was inducted into the team hall of fame he was excellent but he, even he talked about when he came here there was this idea that's like that's not where good cornerbacks go that's not that's not an area mm-hmm. where you you take your career if you want to succeed <laughs> As an outside corner, and I do think that Marshawn has helped to change that. And I just, you know, when you were going through those stats, what were your kind of impressions uh, beyond obviously Cam is a freak of nature and has just played for so long and so effectively <laughs> that he's managed to appear on this list that he shouldn't be on? Yeah, I think that that's kind of the main takeaway. The other one that's kind of wild is that Cam has like a has something like a forty or or maybe even more. It might be a fifty or sixty. Uh, tackle for a loss lead on anybody else for the for for most tackles for a loss in the NFL. It, 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 it's it's remarkable. I think he's got like 130, and the next one might be in the 80s or something like that, if I remember correctly. So as I was just kind of looking through those, that one stood out to me as well. But yeah, I think the big thing when you look at the the Saints defensive backs, and, and I'm going to give Dennis Allen some credit on this too, because he's really kind of where you can start the benchmark of like, okay, the Saints really revamped their cornerback room when he kind of came in mid 2015, took over you know, completely 2016, moving into the draft in 2017. 
2017, he became a guy that, you know, he, I mean, he's a secondary focused guy and he really helped to improve that secondary room all the way down to, you know, even, you know, getting good games out of Eli Apple for a little while. Uh, you know, he got great stuff out of Delvin bro for a bit. He got, you know, they went out and they got Janoris Jenkins and Janoris Jenkins looked really good. And now they've kind of moved into this place where they've got Marshawn Lattimore and Paul Savivo and Alante Taylor. And you've got some of these other young guys that are looking really good. Like, you know, Isaac Yadam who came in, who's been mostly a, a special teamer for them, but he's looked he looked really good during like OTAs and, and many camps for what that's worth. You know, same thing for Troy Pride Jr., who they brought in this offseason. So uh, I think that, you know, Dennis Allen's a big part of that, and, and we'll continue to see that as long as, you know, that focus is there. This team went from, uh, I mean, just it has, an, has had an incredible run of defensive backs coaches, going from Aaron Glenn to Chris Richard now to Marcus Robertson. I mean, just phenomenal run of secondary coaches, and a lot of that is because those guys want to work with D.A., and now those guys also want to work with Joe Woods, who, who's brought in, who's also a secondary specialist now there as defensive coordinator. So I think that it comes down to the team's sort of focus and building and, and kind of Dennis Allen's thumbprint or fingerprint that's on that as well. But, uh, yeah, Marshawn Lattimore definitely curbs the idea that the New Orleans Saints are a place that you don't go when you want to be a good corner, uh, especially with the uh, the success we've seen him had since he came in here, uh, his rookie season in 2017. Yeah, and one other note. Oh, oh and I'll mention, oh, too, I'll mention, too, on that, on that same list of, uh, of the passes defense it's all dbs one through 11 with the exception that list is demario davis yes as well which is pretty great if anyone's wondering so the the highest active well not active anymore he just retired non-defensive back in the passes defense category is jj watt he has 70 but two others that are notable that are worth mentioning is bradley roby is number 19 on the active list with Mm -hmm. 84 85 passes defense and right behind him is Tyron Matthew with 84. So, you know, it's the, there's this pedigree of, of, of pass defense on this team that in a passing league is just, it's just kind of nice to see, but that I don't have a yeah. question there. I just think it's, if this team is going to have success this year, I think it's going to be a lot on the strength of lockdown corner play and yep. you have the pieces in place, assuming they can stay healthy for once in their lives. And, uh, Absolutely. And, and yeah. Ross, I was wondering, uh, curious to your take on, you know, we're getting ready for training camp. Everyone's excited to see the players getting back in action. Is there a player that you're more most excited to see when we get back into action with pads on? You know, none, none of these unpadded yeah. practices. Obviously, everybody's, uh, I think Cam Jordan said it best, everybody looks great without pads. But when, when the things really get down to the nitty-gritty here at Saints camp, who, what's a player or two that you're really looking forward to, to seeing how they perform? Yeah, I'll start with uh, six-round rookie A.T. Perry, the wide receiver out of Wake Forest. We watched him, guys, during you know mini camps and OTAs, and kind of the big thing that we all took away from that was him not being able to come up with those contested <laughs> catches, those fifty-fifty balls, right? And when you're six foot three, six foot four, two hundred plus pounds, and you've got good speed and you've got good you know vertical leaping ability and things like that, you you're, you're expected to come down with those. At least more times than not, those aren't expected to be fifty-fifty balls. Those are at least expected to be fifty-five, forty-five balls, right? Like some some small you know advantage should go your way. And so I'm really excited to see what happens when the pads come on and there's a lot more contact and maybe things feel a little bit more natural. I think that oftentimes when we think about the pads going on, we think about about how that imp- how that sort of impacts these offensive players in a negative way, when really it could impact them in a in a positive way, in that things just feel more natural, things feel like it's a game, and I think that that has an impact on these offensive players. And so, At a- Perry is definitely one that I'm looking forward to seeing. And then, uh, you know, another guy that you know, doesn't have really anything he needs to prove, but I think is really really important this year is to, to go back to the name Tyron Matthew. 
Um, he's a guy that always stands out. You can't miss him on the field. He's, he's you know, full of energy, all this other stuff. But he's also, you know, a big-time leader for this team. And, and I think that come training camp, when it comes to the idea of, you know, every second counts, give every, you know, give everything that you've got, you know, all these things that these guys love to say, that's, a, that's where Tyron Matthew gets the opportunity to really stand out and, and show that. So looking forward to seeing him. And then I'll quickly mention uh, linebacker DeMarco Jackson as well. They gave him a lot of responsibilities during OTAs in minicamp. I think he's the pr- he's the he's primed at least so far. We'll see if they bring in uh, you know a veteran or something like that. But as of right now, at least he's primed to be the guy behind Demario Davis and or uh, Pete Werner as the guy that could step into those roles. Meanwhile, Zach Bond I think is the guy that's beside those guys. So he would play maybe that strong side third linebacker role. While Demarco Jackson is more of your I come in in place of coverage, you know, when you need coverage and things like that. And so I'm really interested to see him and sort of how he's been able to, you know, hone in his game. We didn't get to see him at all his rookie season. What does he look like out on the field going full speed and in pads? Gotcha. Well, Ross, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, where can uh, – I know obviously you you got all the podcast stuff, but I know you're a busy guy. you got other stuff going on. So where can people find your work mm-hmm. on the uh, interwebs? Yeah, the easiest way to do it between the Locked on Saints podcast and all the Saints News Network writing and everything like that is to follow on whatever social media platform you're <laughs> using this hour – uh, it's all it's all brand aligned. It's all at Ross Jackson Nola. So if you're on Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Blue Sky, <laughs> Spoutable, whatever, uh, it's all there at Ross Jackson Nola, and of course on Twitter as well. Have you guys gotten a hold of Threads yet? I don't think I'm really getting acclimated. I guess yet. Yeah, it's just like Twitter to the I point that they're suing like Twitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there doesn't seem to be like any Twitter. organization with the feed. Oh yeah, no, it's awful. It's it's bad. Yeah, yeah, but it's, no, it's, it's, it's all bad. Of, it's got no Elon. That's basically it's it's. it's bonus right yeah ross definitely thanks for the time and have a great weekend my man appreciate you guys right back at you y'all take care stay safe and i'll talk to you soon for all things new orleans saints subscribe to locked on saints on the odyssey app part of the locked on podcast network all right wrapping up segment number two here on inside black and gold we've got one more coming at you and this will be a breakdown of the rankings of the top 50 draft steals of the last decade of which the Saints actually have four of them, which is a pretty high number when you go through this whole list. Steve Geller and myself, Jeff Nowak, will break that down to close out the pod on this final segment. Stick around. 